The following podcast contains alcohol-enhanced conversations about alcohol, as well as the potential for the discussion about topics of dubious, disturbing, possibly offensive, but usually hilarious interest. The opinions stated herein are solely of the persons making them, and any endorsement of these opinions by any other party is not implied. Foul language is likely, but intolerant viewpoints are not. Listener intoxication is advised. Welcome to episode 56 of the Neglass Sponsored Whiskey Tangent Podcast. I'm Scott. I'm Ed. And today we're taking one of our patented deep distillery dives, this time into an iconic brand that we've straight up ignored for over three years, basically, because it's so basic. Jack Daniels. But is it really that basic, or have we just been neglecting it because of some past rather forgettable experiences with their base spirit, the classic old number seven black label? After all, this is a brand that has way more to offer than you might realize, with 11 core expressions available pretty much everywhere and 58 different limited editions over the past 20 years. And right now, there are two new bottles that are no doubt being loaded as we speak onto a liquor store shelf near you. And so joining us on our magical history tour of J.D., Lure, and more is our best whiskey friend back once again after a three-month hiatus, Gabe, the Whiskey Sherpa. Hi again, friends. But of course, before we get to all the whiskeys and the tangents, Ed's here to tell us which Jack Daniels expressions we'll be pouring and no longer ignoring tonight. Right. And you know what? I don't want to act like I didn't have a good relationship with Jack Daniels. Jack Daniels is like your college girlfriend, you know? Like, it was new. <laughs> it was special. It, yeah. it taught you stuff about yourself and about life. And Jack Daniels was <laughs> everything like that to me. I've spent so many weddings with it, Jack and Coke. The Jack and Coke is still a delicious elixir. Nothing goes together like Jack and Coke. It certainly isn't the way I appreciate whiskey now. But if I have one a couple times a year, I'm still like, there it is. There's mm. that Jack and Coke that I remember. Yeah. And so we've been waiting for Jack Daniels to get in the game. They came up with a single barrel, which was actually very good. And I've talked about that. We featured the Jack Daniels single barrel rye in the first Whiskey Madness we ever had. Yes. But we haven't really done the distillery. It's credit because we just felt like everybody else, Old Forester, Four Roses, yeah. uh, Woodford, I mean, Heaven Hill, Buffalo Trace, have all been just blowing the doors off with new expressions. And, you know, I'm actually surprised by how many that Scott listed because they have haven't done a very good job of feature. I know there was a Frank Sinatra that came out. Mm. Yeah, and yeah. Once again, the single barrels that came out, but I didn't know there was that many. So then recently, they came out with two bottle and bond expressions. What they call Jack Daniels Bonded, which is simply a bottle and bond Tennessee whiskey. And Scott will tell you more about that. Mm -hmm. And then they have something which is really interesting to me, a triple mash, which is basically three different mash bills, all certified bottle and bond, and then blended together. Right. And so we're going to be tasting each of these. And to start the day off, just to get our mind right, pay our homage to our childhood. Good luck with that. <laughs> we're going to be drinking Jack Daniels Old Number 7, which we haven't tasted neat in 
eons forever. And so we're going to take that to kind of give us a base place to kind of see where do they differ or fall similar to the original Jack Daniels Tennessee whiskey. All right. One question. Is this going to be a fair comparison? Because how often are you sitting there with drinking old number seven straight or on the uh, rocks? Usually it's not it's going a to be mixer. A, we're not, we're it's not Jack and Cokes. You know, yeah, it's not, not comparing it. We're just basing it. Like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So we want to have some sort of comparison right. of, from their base barrel. But really, sure. this isn't even the Jack Daniels that I drank when I was younger because that it's was not. an 86 proof and this is 80. Yeah. They've actually dropped the proof. And so I'm like, all right. I mean, I don't know why they had to do that. Yeah, well, we'll actually get to it in the history. Yeah, so I can't wait to hear about it because I think it's a, it was a fucked up thing to do. Mm. And I criticize them for it. And I'll stand by that because it's bullshit. So yeah, Scott, yeah. tell us a little bit about like the history of the original uh, Jack Daniels. Well, do, do you want to taste the first one first and then get into history? Well, you tell us. Sure. Uh, well, I figured we'd take the first one, then we'll do part one of the history. Right. Taste the second one, do part two, and then taste the third one. Yeah, I, it, I, I don't know how much history you had. So Yeah. yeah. It, it's it's kind of hard to imagine they would want to screw around with an iconic brand such as Old right. Numbers. Seven. Yeah, and they did, and it did court some controversy, and, and we absolutely can talk about that. All right, so this is a way, as Gabe alluded to, that nobody tastes this in the way that it's we're tasting literally this. literally all bananas. Oh, my on, God, on yeah. The nose, sure. On the nose. Yeah, I got that, too. Banana liqueur, almost. <laughs> yeah. Like overripe banana. Yeah, and it's actually, I just took a sip of it. It's tasty. I don't even think it's like Jim Beam White Label. It doesn't cringe like, uh, like really raw. It's just very simple. Honestly, there's quite a nice nose. Yeah, it's very nice. It's actually a nice little drink, but it leaves me wanting more. Yeah, it's fruits and vanilla, yeah. banana, of course. And Scott and I did taste this. If you go back to like our second or third show oh, yeah. ever, yeah. we were complaining about the limited selection at weddings, so we compared Jim Beam White Label <laughs> with Jack Daniels, and the Jack Daniels blew the Jim Beam White Label away, as I remember. Yeah, that was a funny little short we did. Yeah, mm-hmm. so um, go back to the beginning. First season, <laughs> yeah. Click on the podcast and go all the way down to like the fifth publication. There yeah. <laughs> That's where it'll be. Literally. So the nose should be a pleasant mix of fruity sweetness, vanilla custard, mm. some oak, but I don't really get a lot, oak, a lot of banana, Yeah, with notes of apricot and sweet corn, providing an additional layer of yeah. nuance. Okay. Yeah. I'm so, not sure how much nuance is there, but yeah, we know what we're drinking. Right. So they say on the taste, like a rush of corn and banana up front, which I agree with, followed by a sugary blend of vanilla. Minor traces of smoked cinnamon maple creeping in. Mm, somewhat. I mean, I can see maple creeping in. A little, a I little can bit. taste that, sure. And then it's, on the finish, it's oaky, slightly bitter, and almost briny. A strong contrast to the sweet nose and palate in the beginning. Uh, oh, that's interesting. Almost briny. That's kind of the weird quality finish. Yeah. It's a tongue zapping funkiness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is a, uh, all these tasting notes are breaking bourbon. Yeah. So just for a consistency. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So the mash bill is 80% corn, 12% rye, 8% malted barley. Right, and it's very high cord, so we expect it to be a little bit sweet, you know? Yeah, I think it's amazing that banana that is so classic on this, how they get that. Yeah. I mean, that's probably, and we'll get into the Tennessee whiskey and what it is and the charcoal filtering right. that they do. Right. I think that has to be part of it. I would think so, yeah. Would that be the Lincoln process? Lincoln County? Yes, the Lincoln County process, exactly. Yeah, so we're going to do the tasting notes a little bit more in depth with the other two. This one, we're just getting a base Plus, drink something before I do my long history. Yeah, so go ahead. <laughs> All right, so this is part one. Uh, this has been taken from several sources like the Atlantic and the History Channel, but mostly from an article in Modern Drunkard magazine called You Don't Know Jack Daniel by Richard English, which the magazine is interesting in its own right and for reasons I will get to in part two. Jack. 
Jasper Newton Daniel, nicknamed Jack, was born in 1849 in the town of, yeah, Jasper, Lynchburg, Tennessee, although the exact year is disputed. Some say 1850, blah, blah, blah. The youngest of 10 children, he was also the smallest, only reaching a height of five feet, one inch as an adult. Jack's mother, Lucinda, died just moments after giving birth to him, and his father, Cal, quickly remarried, not the least for which because he needed to help take care of 10 kids. But Jack's new stepmother turned out to be an obnoxious shrew of a woman who badgered the children and nagged Jack's father into joining the ultra-strict and anti-booze Primitive Baptist Church. Although the Daniels were poor, they managed to eke out a relatively quiet and comfortable existence that is until the Civil War, when the Daniel farm was overrun by troops from both sides, neither of whom were shy about looting the family's food stores and livestock. The two eldest Daniel boys were slain in battle, and just days after the Civil War ended, Jack's father contracted pneumonia and died. Financially and emotionally ruined, Jack's stepmother began sending her stepchildren away to live with other families or simply to fend for themselves. Although Jack was the youngest, he was also the first to go. For the next two years, Jack bounced from one charitable neighbor to the next, doing menial chores and whoring himself out, maybe, to pay for his meals. Wow. But... Too soon? I mean, there goes our Jack Daniels father. <laughs> <laughs> but it was the last family that he lived with, the Calls, who managed to teach Jack not only a valuable skill, but one he actually enjoyed. Juggling? Giving head. Oh. <laughs> Scott! <laughs> <laughs> the Jack Daniels company shows some respect. I'm sorry. <laughs> Distilling whiskey. Calm down. All right. Get on with it. You see, the patriarch of the family, Dan Call, a preacher, grocer, and distiller, introduced Jack to Nathan Uncle Nearest Green, an enslaved man who taught Jack not only distilling, but also, faithfully, the process of sugar maple charcoal filtering, also known as the extra blessing, a technique that food historians believe was inspired by similar methods used to purify water in West Africa. It wasn't long before Dan and Jack founded a legally registered distilling business together. However, when Dan quit for religious reasons, Jack found himself the sole owner of a burgeoning whiskey empire. After taking over the distillery in 1884, Daniel purchased a 140-acre plot of farmland near Cave Spring, just outside Lynchburg, which not only had a constant source of spring water, but also soil that was rich, dark, and perfect for growing corn. Incidentally, the site that they're still at today. Unbelievable. That's shocking. Yeah, isn't that cool? Thus, with a slew of steady customers and increasing demand for his old number seven whiskey, named after the distillery registration number that they were assigned, the stage was set for a radical expansion. However, harassment of distillers was on the rise. Not only were there ever-increasing excise taxes being levied to pay for reconstruction after the Civil War, the Anti-Saloon League was attacking on all fronts. Oh my God. Hectoring politicians at every level, enlisting clergymen to their cause, and even indoctrinating children against liquor in their very schoolrooms. Wrong. Wow. And yet, Jack Daniels persisted. In 1897, he began using square-shaped bottles, which he intended to convey a sense of fairness and integrity, as he and other like-minded distillers formed national and regional associations to promote new and novel ways to distribute whiskey across the country. Thus, by 1900, Jack Daniels Distillery was the largest in Tennessee and the third largest in the world. Citizens began reverting to the charismatic Jack as captain, and when Old Number 7 won the bourbon competition at the 1904 World's Fair in St. Louis, Jack's fame became national. Unbelievable. I didn't know there was a double gold back then. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Unfortunately, this rise wouldn't last long. That's my situation now, my age. The rise doesn't last that long. Did you hate that? Oh, yeah. It's like, let's get it done quick. It's terrible. Soon after the World's Fair win, Jack began to suffer from the onset of severe diabetes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And because. All that sweet corn whiskey will do to you. Yeah, that's right. And because Jack never married or had any children of his own, he was forced to turn over operations to his nephew, Lem Motlau. Wait, stop a minute. 
not married, not having any children. Not married, not having children. So there could be more to the Jack Daniel story. Yeah, there could be. He could be fabulous. <laughs> All those blowjobs I was talking about? <laughs> right. So his nephew, Lem Montlau, who was the distiller's bookkeeper at the time, Jack's illness soon got so bad that he had to have his left foot amputated and then his entire left leg. Damn. Still, even this wouldn't stop him from periodically going to his saloons in Lynchburg to buy a round of whiskey for everyone in the house. Hey! But by this time, prohibitionists... had such a stranglehold on the national debate over alcohol that in 1910, the state of Tennessee passed their own restrictive prohibition law, and a year later, on October 9th, 1911, Jack Daniel died in his bed of a blood infection. Wow. And that is the end of part one. Well, shit. I know, right? So he wasn't that old, actually. I mean, I, he's 60-something, right? Yeah, 1911. It's like uh, 62. Yeah. I don't know. It's young now. I don't know if it's young in 1910. I don't know. If the, uh, yeah. 62 is pretty good life in the turn of well, century, yeah, I guess, probably, right? He already lost a foot and a leg. I'm figuring <laughs> yeah. he was on his way down. Yeah, it's true. Did they even have insulin back then for diabetics, or you just pretty much died? Oh, that's a good question. I don't really know. Well, was Wilford Brimley even uh, born? Well, he, might have been, he might have been live with Jack Daniel. Diabetes. <laughs> right. So diabetes, which is the uh, Greek god of sugar, right? <laughs> right. Diabetes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so the second one we're going right, to taste. So right? now we're excited. I mean, Re- the really the first one we're going to taste. Right, so seriously, the, the original Jack Daniels was probably the best way to describe it is not as bad as you think it's going to be. Yeah, it's like doing Jameson straight up. You're like, you know what? This is actually kind of drinkable. Exactly. When you take the time to make it a, a real drink, it actually tastes pretty good. Yeah, Jack Daniels has been good for a while for a reason. Yeah. It just is eighty proof. It's a little thin. Yeah, it's not very complex. And for people who like complex whiskeys, it falls short. Yeah. So now we're hoping that they've taken the same mash bill. They bumped it up to 100 proof. They've made it bottle and bond. And we're going to try that right now. Yes. On the nose. It, not as much banana as on no. the regular expression. No, it's not overripe smelling as the original. I mean, it's there. It's faint, but it's there. There's definitely the corn uh, influence there. Uh, yeah, this is pretty like, you know, vanilla, caramel. It's the usual things that you might smell well, on, a, on a bourbon. Wow. So it certainly doesn't taste like Jack Daniels. Oh, did you taste it? Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah right. it's way different than the base expression. You taste it too? Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm, I'm behind you guys. Hold on. Mm, that's rare. Normally I'm behind you. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> Who are you, Jack Daniel? Look what I started. So, this is my fault, everyone. So the, I'm um, sorry. That's all right. It's got more heat and more proof. density. I've never tasted it. I mean, I actually can still tell this is kind of Jack Daniels, but wow, it's like the Jack oh. Daniels you always wanted. 100 proof. The maple sugar is way more intense on this one. It's oaky. Yeah. Oh, wow. that's really nice. Wow. Yeah. This is, oh. I don't know if you had handed me this and made me guess what it was and then told me it was a Jack Daniels expression. I'd be like, fuck you. It's not. Yeah. It's very good. And once again, I, I need to point out that I bought two liters. So there's a not a two liter bottle. <laughs> like each one was a liter. Yeah. Like not <laughs> not like next to the Coke and the Pepsi, there was a two liter bottle of Jack Daniels. <laughs> no, but there was a liter of the bonded and a liter of the triple mash, both for like forty three dollars. So yeah. very affordable for yeah. a lot of whiskey and for have a bottle and bond. So the seven fifty would be under forty dollars for a bottle and bond. I am getting more uh, banana. After yeah. I swallow it, and I'm sort of breathing out. I can get the yeah. banana. So the palate, they said a mixture of caramel, yeah. maple sugar, toasted marshmallow, burnt oak, which we mentioned also, and banana comes rushing in. Right. 
Yeah, you mentioned that maple candy. There was like an old like dime store candy place with had the maple. They were maple leaves, and they were kind of opaque candies. It was like a chewy candy. Yeah, yeah I'm getting that a lot now. That okay. you mentioned it. Yeah, it's like a sugary, yeah. chewy. It's almost like I mean, Mary, honey Mary, almost like a maple Jane, mar- marzipan. Mary Jane's were kind of like that too, though. Yeah, Mary exactly. Jane's had a maple to them. Yeah, they have a, like a, a honey nut maple yeah, yeah. thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. this definitely is in your father's jack. Didn't sound good, did it? <laughs> no, I, I, I think we're all our father's Jack that made it. Wow, E Jack, right? <laughs> <laughs> so interesting. I mean, Gabe spit out his water. <laughs> Sorry, interesting. <laughs> That's what he gets for drinking water, right? <clears throat> A little bitch. Okay. Uh, so do the finish. <laughs> <laughs> On the finish, an intense wave of spicy heat with caramel, graham cracker, burnt oak, all melding into a medium-long sugary soiree. I can get the graham cracker definitely. It tastes like a bonfire. Yeah, the burnt oak. Absolutely. Gonna, you know, I'm going to add a couple drops of water. Oh, yeah. Let's do that. Proof. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, and you yeah. know, I don't want to disparage it, but these are basic tasting notes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Vanilla, caramel, burnt oak, mm-hmm. graham cracker. Mm-hmm. There's nothing really here that would be anything, uh, I don't know, special. And not that it has to be special. No. This is head and shoulders above regular Jack Daniels. Well, I mean, we, right. We've had really good whiskeys where it was like vanilla, corn, and oak. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's still been a really good whiskey. Yeah, but for, for this being a 100-proof bottle and bond expression, yeah. there's so many other bottle and bonds I would take before this. Right, which is why I'm interested in doing the triple mash. Because I think just in the concept alone, it seems to me like it should be more complex. Yes, I think the third mm-hmm. one we tried try will be very different the first two were similar they were the tasting notes are similar I yeah mean, there's no doubt that the bonded is advanced right it's a little deeper flavor of right. the thing so if you are a jack daniels lover you're gonna love the bond you'll love the bond absolutely and for this price you can make a jack and coke with it and take it to another level oh sure you can make a high proof you can coke. still do that it's over 38 dollars. you're not being ridiculous not like 70 dollar whiskey right yeah i agree but yeah. now the triple mash scott well, we're going to do, do the, the next history. Yeah, I'll do the second part of the history. No, but no, I'll do the next history. <laughs> I was just going to get... I was just going to get... Oh, my God. <laughs> Scott, were you going to ask me something? I was. Go ahead. I, I was. I'm waiting. Please silence your eds. <laughs> you know, I just took a sip of the first one again. Yeah. It's like 11% of the second one. It all hits in the slots. It's like a nice way to clean your palate for the next one. <laughs> it really is. It's like drinking a watered down version of it. Yep. I get a little more cinnamon on it now, interestingly. Interestingly. On yeah. the yeah. first or the second? Yeah, on yeah, the, the first, first one, one now going back yep. to it. So Gabe, actually, just what I wanted to ask you was your just overall impression of it. The second one? Yeah. It's highly uh, more complex. It's definitely, you know, it's a jack, but yeah. it's uh, so much not the number seven. And I'll say this, that the next one coming up, the triple mash, is going to be a blend of American malt, rye, and then the mash bill we just had. That sounds exciting. So right. a third of it is what we just had, and they add two thirds of other stuff. Yeah, and I have the exact breakdown. And oh, here right. we go. Yeah. But first, part two of the Jack Daniel history. Is it like parquet? No, not parquet. Oh, I was, I was just going to do a flip over the couch real quick. Uh, wow, that's parkour. Oh, parkour, yeah. That's not <laughs> What's butter. Par- oh, parquet is a type of floor. <laughs> parquet is a type of floor. Like, it's also so a type a, of margarine. Margarine, right. <laughs> oh, it's not par- butter. It's margarine. Parquet. Parquet. Oh, my God. We are old. Hello. We are very old. <laughs> you might want to Google that, YouTube. Yeah, yeah. if you're a millennial. Everything's Google. better with blue bonnet on it. What the <laughs> fuck are they talking about? Like, what hey. was the one where the queen showed up with a, like the imperial butter or whatever yeah. it was? Yeah. Oh, God. Oh, the, oh, the queen's here now. No, here's the queen. Hello. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Hello. <laughs>
<laughs> All right. Part two of the history. So when we last left the story of Jack Daniels, old Jack was dead and his nephew Lem was now the owner of the distillery. Although he strived to attain his uncle Jack's level of respect, Lem's quarrelsome personality made that impossible. Sounds like Ed. <laughs> <laughs> but he did two things that had a lasting impact, not only on Jack Daniels legacy, but also on the whiskey industry as a whole. First, in honor of his uncle, Lem created a new, longer-aged, 90-proof, black-label version of a long-established, 80-proof, green-label whiskey. Which he called Off. So Jack Off became a phrase <laughs> to be part of American history forever. False. And Jack Off kind of took off on his own. And like highly untrue. It's, it's false. <laughs> Go on, Scott. It's false. Okay, so second, he fought hard against... The, See? Uh, hard. Wow. <laughs> he fought hard. I, That's kind of hard to do, isn't it? I backed right up into that. Okay, so... <laughs> He fought hard against the ever-growing temperance movement. Ever-growing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Hello, hello ladies. You'll get to it. Yeah. Temperance movement. Movement. <laughs> Even challenging the constitutionality of Tennessee's prohibition law all the way to the Tennessee Supreme Court, which unfortunately upheld the oh, law. fuckers. I know. So Lem did what Jack would have done. He moved the distilling operations out of the state. Yes. to St. Louis and Birmingham, Alabama. And when National Prohibition and the Volstead Act became law, Lem illegally sold Old Number 7 to bootleggers and gangsters like George Remus and Al Capone. In 1932, after FDR and the Wet Democrats succeeded in overturning Prohibition, Lem still couldn't move operations back to Tennessee because their law was still in effect. Yeah. Undeterred, Lem ran for the Tennessee State Senate and won, after which he successfully led the effort to repeal their dry laws. So that finally, in 1938, the Jack Daniels distilled was up and running once again on that 140-acre farm at Cave Spring, which reportedly draws 800 gallons of fresh spring water through layers of limestone from miles below the Earth's surface every minute. Wow. I was going to say, I thought you were going to say every day, like, that's not enough, but no, every minute, every, that's impressive. Every minute. But just nine years later, and nearly 40 years after he took over the distillery, Lem Motlau died of a stroke. Damn. Aww. 1947. He had willed the distillery to his four sons, but these young men were even further removed from their great uncle Jack's whiskey and business savvy. And so in 1956, on the verge of bankruptcy, the brothers sold the distillery to Brown Foreman, wow. which would attempt to invigorate the brand. So interestingly, before this time, Jack Daniels had grown almost entirely through word of mouth. In 1951, Fortune magazine published an article chronicling Jack Daniels' growth and appeal to such disparate figures as the writer William Faulkner, director John Houston, and British Prime Minister Winston Churchill. Yeah, he loved the Jack. Yeah. A few years later, True magazine published another article which placed an even greater emphasis on Jack Daniels being the favorite drink of entertainers such as Jackie Gleason, Ava Gardner, and most famously, Frank Sinatra. Mm. But with the move to Brown Foreman, and despite demand already exceeding supply, the brand finally began to advertise regularly, resulting in Jack Daniels being strictly allocated from the 1950s to the 1970s. So in fact, when other companies pulled back from advertising in the whiskey doldrums of the 1980s, Jack Daniels spent even more money on ads telling people how they couldn't even get it, while at the same time shrewdly pairing their message of exclusivity with homespun black and white images of the ordinary people of Lynchburg, Tennessee, who didn't wear smoking jackets, but work clothes that they wore every day on their way to make the whiskey. So because of the advertising that they did, popular culture continued to associate the brand with cool maverick-like independence. And the celebrity fans like Paul Newman, Keith Richards, and Motorhead's Lemmy Kilmister, <laughs> Jack Daniels would become Hollywood shorthand for signaling that a character was somebody to be reckoned with. Also at this time, Brown Foreman began increasing capacity by tearing down the old distillery and building bigger facilities on the same site, eventually seeing sales triple between the mid-70s and the mid-80s. 
Curiously, however, after spending 30 years carefully resurrecting the brand in 1987, the distillery did something risky. They reduced the Black Label Whiskey's proof from 90 to 86. Right, and that's when I started drinking it because I'm 19 in 87. Right, but almost nobody seemed to notice or care, except for Ed, and the brand continued merrily along toward its eventual dominance of the whiskey marketplace. However, after a second proof dilution in 2002 that lowered the Black Label's proof all the way down to 80, which is what it is today. And which I was pretty much done drinking by that point. Right, purportedly based on the results of a marketing survey, people finally did notice. Many drinkers were outraged, and Modern Drunkard Magazine, where I got the part one from, formed a petition drive to get Jack Daniels to change its mind. In an article called Jack Daniels, A Legacy Betrayed by author Frank Kelly Rich, he wrote this spitefully. I have a newsflash for the smug whiz kids in the marketing department at the Brown Foreman Corporation. There are one hell of a lot of people who prefer Mr. Daniels' original proof recipe, the very recipe they lie about remaining true to. Of course, Brown Foreman is a private corporation and they can do whatever the hell they want with our product. They can lower the proof to zero and call it lemonade if they like, but that doesn't mean we have to drink it. Wow. Ultimately, the magazine collected more than 13,000 signatures, but to no avail. Jack Daniels held firm with its decision, and a few years later, in 2005, Advertising Age magazine reported that the sales of the brand had actually increased after the dilution. However, during this time, Jack Daniels also began creating more core expressions, with Gentleman Jack being released in 1988 and their first single barrels being bottled in 1997. Today, Jack Daniels has expressions as varied as the higher-proof Sinatra Select, a rye whiskey, flavored versions, canned cocktails, and even an apple cider liqueur. But most importantly, Jack Daniels was is and continues to be the best-selling American whiskey brand in the world. So it's very interesting. When I would go to Atlantic City, they have Jack Daniels and cola in cans, like in the gift shop. Like you can grab them, take a couple with you. Yep. I just read last month that they're partnering with Coca-Cola to have a Coca-Cola version of it in the can. And I have to tell you, I'll buy a four-pack of that when it comes out. I'm just wondering, what took them so long? I mean, seriously. I mean, Jack and Coke has been a staple for like as long as I've been alive. I mean, for Jack to come out with his own cola version, it means that Coke somehow dissed him and like didn't give him a good enough deal. Like, I guess. We'll just go. What's RC Cola doing? nothing they're just sitting in <laughs> we'll just take rc cola and use that i guess like yeah what if it is rc cola i mean we don't know like yeah. if acme cola whatever i mean because it's not pepsi because if it was pepsi they'd be saying absolutely yeah. and i don't think it's rc cola either i think it's just generic uh, ass cola yeah yeah but actually this piggybacks on the ready to drink phenomenon that scott and i talked about in an episode recently it does because i was checking out at a liquor store down the shore just this weekend and i saw all the crown royals were there the jack ones were there never used to see the jack and cola in the can except in the casinos they yeah, were, they weren't really marketing to right, liquor stores and stuff. Right. It was kind of exclusive to certain places. Yeah, right. Yeah, it was something that around here it was exclusive to Atlantic City. Yeah. You know, just I mean, Jack Daniel himself seemed like a really cool person when I was uh, yeah. researching all of this history. Um, it, I mean, it just goes back so far and it's steeped in so much lore and then he died right before Prohibition. Yeah. But his nephew really stepped up and yeah. like this is really a two-man story. It's Jack Daniel and his yeah, nephew. Yeah, nephew did a great Len job. Motlaw. Yep. Um, so let's taste the third expression that we have here tonight, the triple mash that uh, Ed yeah. alluded to earlier. So I have the breakdown, as I promised. Now there's time for a breakdown. <laughs> never gonna get it, never gonna get it. Never gonna get it, never gonna get it. Never gonna get it, never gonna get it. Never gonna get it. Never gonna get it, never gonna get it. Never gonna get it, never gonna get it. Never gonna get it, never gonna get it. Never gonna get it. Real quick, 
quick before you break it down. Okay. What I mean, <laughs> it's funny how someone comes in like, so I was over in Amsterdam at the uh, Vincent Van Gogh Museum and uh, Van Gogh had sent all his paintings back to his brother and then Van Gogh died and his brother died really quickly afterwards. And it was his nephew, his brother's son is the one that preserved everything. Hmm. With the widow, his mother. Okay. Right. And that's why we have all Van Gogh's paintings. And they started the museum and they pushed the legacy. So let's hear it for the nephews of the world. I mean, seriously, like it's just <laughs> another thing. So, all right. So the triple match, Scott, what's in here? All right. So uh, 20% of the Jack Daniels number seven Tennessee whiskey that we just tasted. Oh, yeah. shit. Okay. Uh, that is the 80% corn, 12% rye, 8% malted barley. Right. 20% of the Jack Daniels American malt that mm. has not been released yet. That's 100% malted barley. And 60% of the Jack Daniels rye, which is 70% rye, 18% corn, and 12% malted so, barley. So, but bottle and bond. Right. Okay. You still got that uh, banana smell for the Jack. I honestly don't get it on this one. Not yet. I mean. Not, not as overbearing, but it's still there. James, <laughs> like, I get 20% banana. <laughs> I do get a little bit of it. I do. I think maybe even more. Then well, I got he, on the bonded. Well, he's our second banana, so I'm not surprised that he didn't get it. <laughs> or is he third third banana? <laughs> I'll wait. <laughs> I'll wait till Ed's done being a dick. <laughs> You'll be waiting a long time. Yeah, yeah. Be, you'll be waiting a while. <laughs> I definitely taste the rye influence, though, for sure. It's definitely spicier than the other two. I mean, it is. Can we get serious for Christ's sakes? My God. This is science. Well, you shouldn't taste it before. We should smell it. Oh, I'm sorry. That's all right. No, uh, like like a slight banana on the nose. Uh, it is earthy. Greeny. I smell I a lot like of greens. It's like a flower, like a, like a yeah, yeah. floral nose. It is. It's vegetal almost. Yes, mm -hmm. Sure. I think that's probably the barley influence. Something sweet. Definitely a dark fruit. Apricot, maybe. Uh, a stewed peach. I mean, it has a nice nose. It is very different than the first two. Except for like a slight note of banana, which I, I recognize. Yeah. The smell is way more intense to me. Like, yeah. All right. So they say you should get the nose consisting of dark red raspberries, plum, fig, mm. earl gray tea with notes of cedar, pine. And there's your vegetation, I think, pine. Mm. And winter spices. Winter spices. And maybe even the tea. Mm -hmm. This is really good. I'm already, pour, I'm already pouring more. Interesting. This is going to be a lot to, for me to go to process. Holy crap. This is good. Yeah, it's, This it's is way really different. different. Sure is. Yeah, mm -hmm. this is unique. This is a home run for proof. them. Jack Daniels steps up to the plate and he just smacks. Who was the master distiller that put this together? And or master blender, I guess you would call him. You know, that's funny. I don't really know who is currently. They're so big. They they probably have like a team, but someone I, had to make the call on 2060. I could look at that. That seems like, I'd be like, Scott, do we really want to put that much rye? And Scott's like, yeah, we're definitely putting it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's there, man. The, the rye, there's there's like a black tea but thing man, going that, on there. But that, that American single malt is just the X factor in this. So I looked him up. The guy's name is Chris Fletcher. He was just hired in 2020. Wow. To do this, I guess. Yeah, he's the master distiller at the Jack Daniels Distillery. Fletcher, 39, had previously served for six years as assistant master distiller and will be responsible for the overall quality of Jack Daniels from grain to glass, innovation, and serve as global ambassador. Wow. In addition, he will oversee the distillery's new distillers and training program, which aims to recruit, teach, and mentor the next generation of whiskey makers. All right. And we're going to send Gabe to that. <laughs> Gonna, <laughs> we're going to apprentice Gabe for Jack Daniels for a while. Mm. Yeah, cool. So I, he obviously had a hand in making this. Wow. The bond is nice for what it is. Like Jack Daniels on steroids. Yeah, it's an uptick of the Jack Daniels. But this, this is a completely different expression to me. 
Yeah. This is the one to get. If you are a whiskey drinker. Get the triple mash because the triple mash is unique and very complex. So on the tasting notes. Leather and stuff? Is there any leather? Yeah, what are we getting, everybody? I'm tasting, like you said, the black tea. Um, there's some dark fruit in there, some stewed fruit, if that's what you want to I mean, describe I'm gonna, it as. I'm going to say it again, but there's absolutely fucking cherry on this. There has to be. Dark cherry? Dark, yeah. Dark cherry is one of the notes. <clears throat> yes. Go red raspberry and dark cherry. That's your fruits up front. Okay. I could, I, I could taste the red raspberry now. Yeah. Yeah. Raspberry is not something that I like really uh, usually taste. But, yeah. You, uh, you got to hear I it can, to agree with it. I can taste it. I can taste it. Wow. It's fucking delicious. It's, um, it's the best of the day for sure. It's not even close. Yeah. It's definitely got the rye influence in there as opposed to the other expressions. This is insane. Mm-hmm. This is so good. Spicy. Really good. Like toffee, maybe. They say marzipan. Marzipan. Okay. And That's rich oak cola. Ooh, okay. Cola. Sugar yeah. plantains. Isn't that just banana? In a way. Come on. I think that's, I think that's where they're right. Slightly. So combined with a slightly thick mouthfeel, mm. please pay Gabe. I've retired that expression. You don't get to retire it. It's your catchphrase. Right. You don't want to retire right. it. Right. It's yeah. orally mouthfeel. Did you do the finish? Oh, so the finish, well, you tell me. Oh, okay. Let's take a sip. Mm. Okay. Mm. It's so spicy on the finish. Yep, cinnamon. You oh yeah, cinnamon? I get yeah, cinnamon yeah. on the finish. Absolutely, a sugary cinnamon, cinnamon like a yeah, cinnamon bun. Sweet. Right, sweet cinnamon. That's what I got. Yeah, I keep going back to the like a hot tea. It's a peppery too, like a little spicy. Yeah, on the finish, you get that like I do. Like a black pepper. I do. I mean, because like sixty uh, percent of it is a rye whiskey. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's true. Mm-hmm. So they said malt, dry rye spice, definitely yeah. malt, yeah. more oak. A touch of sweet cinnamon and vanilla, yeah. which is what we got. So yeah, yeah. we're all right there. I think this is something that I will try to, as long as they have it, I'm going to keep a bottle in my closet. Absolutely. So I have a few um, topics to talk about it that are surrounding okay. this release of Tennessee whiskey and, and also Tennessee whiskey in general. Sure. Anybody want to splash to the triple mash? I do. All right. Let's, yeah, let's, let's get me, a little more to drink. Give me some more of that bit. Since we're done now, we as well like, focus on the best one of the day, which was a triple mash. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, thank you. Gabe, a little splash. Yeah, give me. All right. All right. Gabe Gabe still has a lot to drink here. But okay, so. Why does Gabe have so much left to drink? Because he's a little bitch. There you go. Thank you. LB. (laughs) Love it, Gabe. Uh, so I wanted to talk about what a Tennessee whiskey was just because oh, that's right. what we're doing. Lincoln it's, County process. That's right. So we talked about what a Tennessee whiskey was on our season four short, the top 10 things your dumbass friends think they know about whiskey, which I'll drop in here. So here it is definitively. Jack Daniels is a bourbon. It follows each of the five bourbon rules. It is made in the U.S., 51% corn, 80% in fact. It contains no additives. All of the proofing restrictions from the still to the barrel to the bottle are done within legal specifications. So why don't people think it's a bourbon? Well, that's because Jack Daniels doesn't want you to think it's a bourbon. On the bottle, they call it a Tennessee whiskey, which is actually a legal term yeah. defined by the five rules of bourbon plus two more. Right. It must be made in Tennessee and it must go through the Lincoln County process, which is simply filtering the aged spirit through charcoal, sugar maple in Jack Daniels case. But really, that's a distinction without a difference when it comes to whether it's legally a bourbon or not, because nearly all bourbons are filtered in some way or another, because they have to filter out some of the wood bits and the char sure, and sure, stuff like right, that. Yeah. But filtering is not regulated because it's a subtractive process, not an additive one. Right. Hence, Jack Daniels is a bourbon. Just don't go to a bar in Tennessee and call it one. 
But what I just learned, which I didn't know before, is that it wasn't until 2013 that the state of Tennessee actually required the Lincoln County process to be used for products produced in the state, labeling themselves as a Tennessee whiskey. Interesting. So that was only nine years ago. Right. That's crazy. Uh, also, the green label that I talked about, you can still get the green label yeah, yeah. whiskey. It's only available in a few states. And the states are New York, Pennsylvania, Texas, Tennessee, and New Jersey. I know, yeah. I, I mean, just saw it in the liquor store. What is the difference between the black and the green labels? Honestly, it's just a taste profile that they're trying same, to go for. Same proof, same uh, same proof. Bill. Same proof, same mash right. bill. Hmm. Uh, so <laughs> I stumbled across this. In 1995, Lemmy from Motorhead had a contest. <laughs> this was in Germany. All you had to do is correctly identify Lemmy's favorite whiskey, which, of course, we all know is Jack Daniels. So here are the prizes. <laughs> In first place, there was a car called Das Motormobil, which was an Opel Corsa, which was sort of a German Mini Cooper that was airbrushed with a cover design of the album. That was the first prize. Second and third place, you got free motorhead tattoos. Oh, God. Fourth place was a year's supply of Jack Daniels. That would have been all right. Yeah. I would have found a way to drink that down. Fifth place was a six-month supply of Jack Daniels. And a six-month supply of Coke. <laughs> Six and sevenths was a four-week supply, so just a month of Jack Daniels. And eighth to 100th place, you got a motorhead condom. Oh. <laughs> I don't think I would like the four weeks of Jack Daniels. I don't think I could drink it for a whole year. Well, here's the thing. So if it's true, as has been reported, that Lemmy drank a bottle of Jack Daniels a day. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Does that mean that a year supply is 365 bottles of Jack Daniels? That's a great question. That's or a good price. does it mean that Lemmy lived two years longer when they went from 86 to 80? <laughs> because <laughs> of the proof. lower proof. Right. Did, did that extra six points a day, like a day like save him? I mean, maybe. That's a question we have to research. So the other thing that's interesting about this, and Ed mentioned that he had bought liter bottles. Yeah. So the two new Jack Daniels expressions only come in two sizes. Okay. They come in the one liter bottle, mm -hmm. and they come in the 700 milliliter bottle. Wow, which, weird. So the normal thing in America is the 750 milliliter bottle, but right. there's been a glass shortage, and the TTB, the Tax and Trade Bureau that manages uh, alcohol production in the United States, has issued a new ruling that 700 milliliter bottles are now okay to bottle your stuff legally in the United States, whereas before that was not true. Sounds like bullshit. Sounds like corporate bullshit way to gouge us. 50 milliliters, it's like that's an airplane bottle. Well, you're right. So airplane bottle, less of glass. Well, you're right. So 700 milliliter bottles are the bottles that are internationally used. So right. if you order something from like England or something, exactly. you're going to get a 70 centiliter bottle. Bullshit. Right. So there's a lot of controversy around this decision. It's a drop of 1.69 ounces. Yep. So the cons are that distillers, and this is my fear, and yep. what you're saying is bullshit, Distillers might charge the same amount and hope you don't notice. Right. Mm -hmm. Because I was in the liquor store when I got the Jack Daniels, the, the regular, and I was looking at the bottles on the shelf because right. I have these in the 700 milliliter and it's right next to the green label and the black label of the 750 and the 700 liter bottles are taller because they made the neck skinnier mm -hmm. and raised it up. But they are just slightly yeah. thinner than the 750. Right. So, so, so if you're not paying attention, you could absolutely think they're the same size. Right. Just like they're charging me $100 more for my apartment next year and it's the same. It's exactly yeah. same. <laughs> it's no bigger. Right. It's no bigger. <laughs> <laughs> so the pro is that distillers could release more bottles of hard-to-get limited releases mm. if they're making bottles of smaller sizes. Or they could just make more whiskey and stop whiskey-splaining it to us. Yeah. In fact, here's the even sneakier thing. On the side of the 750 bottle, it says 750 stamped into the glass on yeah. the side. Yeah. The 700 one, it's on the bottom. Right. Motherfuckers! <laughs>
Exactly. It's just little things that they allow them to do to us. Mm -hmm. And I have a problem with it. I'm not a socialist or a communist. I'm just saying, don't cheat me. Are we in England? What the fuck just happened? That That was... What the fuck? Hello, somebody's sick out there. Oh, look, the queen is back. Hello. Did you hear that? That was crazy. We just had a, an ambulance go by with an I've English never heard uh, alarm. That. No, seriously, I've never heard that. That was in my bizarre. Life. <laughs> like, was literally, a-, a British ambulance just went by us in <laughs> New Jersey. Well, we are Jersey. Now, if we were in Jersey, it'd be okay. Right. Apparently, somebody contracted Lyme disease. Oh. Oh, my God. <laughs> Mon- <laughs> monkey pox, maybe. Oh, my God. Monkey shoulder pox. That is awful. <laughs> All right. So we're pretty much done here. We are. Um, I mean, this has been a great episode. I've loved revisiting the regular Jack Daniels. Yeah. The bonded is an uptick of the regular. And the uh, this triple mash is something new and special. And also, mm. I, like, I, I like that we honored Lem, the nephew that really saved the brand. Yes, he did. And now Brown Foreman, who has, I think, done a, a pretty good job um, with Jack Daniels yeah. over the years. Despite I, I, lowering the proof. I don't you know, agree with everything they did. Yeah, no, sure, but I mean, sure. Now they've come up with the triple mash. I'm pretty impressed with them. This is a delicious whiskey, and I'm going to do everything I can to drink this bottle tonight. I got to be honest with you. Yeah, you know what's interesting is that the gentleman Jack was sort of like, this is what yeah. Jack Daniels used to taste right, like. Right, exactly. And Gabe, you said you just bought some. You, yeah. ha- you had yeah. some, and you've been drinking it. Yeah, it's like you said, yeah. it's where the original Jack should have been. I think mean, It's smoother, it's more delicious, and you can like it on a globe or straight without having right. to put Coke on it. Yeah, without right. watering it down. Right. Yeah, so, it's, yeah. It's, I think it's, me and Gabe right are going to drink the triple mash then get in a fist fight in the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> the, the triple mash is a, is a wonderful surprise. It's nice. It's different. It's uh, you know, it's something I didn't expect. Yeah, it's really great. It's the surprise of this episode. It's delicious. Yeah, the triple mash from Jack Daniels, bottle and bond. Go find it. You know, before they realize it's special and put up to fifty five. I know. Damn it. The, a liters of these, I, I wouldn't think fifty five for the triple mash. What, what did you put for the uh, the liter? Was it like forty seven? I paid forty three for both of these. 43. And that's very reasonable for yeah. a liter. Yeah, they're delicious. So for the Whiskey Tangent Podcast, we well, thank you all for checking us out tonight. It was wonderful to be back again. There were so many months. And, it uh, was. Thank yeah. you for uh, yeah. joining us, Gabe. I can't wait till you're back in October. So anyway, at the <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're doing, I was just about to say I love you guys, but I'm taking that back now. Gay. It's Gabe per quarter. <laughs> boom, 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 boom. See you every three months. Dun, 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 dun. We'll, we'll cut this all out. All right, everybody, listen. Dun, 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 dun. Let's wrap it. So for the Whiskey Tangent Podcast, signing off here. I'm Ed. I'm Scott. I'm Gabe. Cheers, everybody. Later. Later.